I love it when Prague does announcements. I feel like he could preach this thing. I feel like he did just preach part of it, so thank you, Prague. That is good. There it is. There's the mic. How's everybody doing? Good? Good. It is 2022, like Prague said. Uh, some of us are coming into this, this new year kind of like, oh, thank goodness. It's 23, right? Sorry. 2022, uh, some of us are coming into 2023 thinking, wow, I'm glad 2022 is over, right? And others of us are like, oh man, is it already 2023? So it really is a matter of perspective. Um, I do, I always like to extend worship a little bit longer than, uh, than just jumping into the message right away. Um, that first song, or that maybe it's the second, the second song, singing about all wonders, um, all might, the, the majesty of God, it did remind me of Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Um, I committed to uh, reading the Bible more with my children this year. It's one of my goals. Um, and I highly encourage you guys to do that if you have children. Um, the app that I'm using is called the Read Scripture app. And I like it, especially for my kids, because it has a video presentation before every section that gives you a visual as to what's happening in the book as a whole. So it gives you some context and just sort of an overview of what the whole picture and the main themes are throughout that uh, book. And we started in Genesis chapter 1, and it did make me really think that that set up the entire story. Like the greatest miracle of all time is the creation of this world. Because honestly, none of us would be here if that miracle never happened. Jesus wouldn't have come into this world, into this universe, if God hadn't already created the universe. So to sit and to marvel at his majesty uh, in creation, to look into the stars in the sky and the expanse in the sky, and to, to see the fish in the sea and the birds in the air, and looking at you and I as human beings, created beings by the Almighty God, it really should change our perspective in worship. That when we're worshiping the Almighty and worshiping His majesty, we should be subjects to the Master who has created all these things. Everything that we see and everything that we feel is a result of the miracle of God's creation. Um, and so I, I feel like our worship should have a greater expression of our entire bodies. Um, sometimes uh, it's, we contain what, what's going on inside of us in worship because it, you know, it, it can look foolish or it can look embarrassing uh, to throw our hands up in worship or to kneel on the ground or to weep and cry because others might see us. Um, I want us this year to, to go deeper into the expression of worship in all that we do um, because he is worthy, because he is worthy of our expressions of worship and uh, our praises and our songs. Um, and don't worry about anybody else. They might see you, uh, but I, I can almost guarantee you it's going to encourage them to do the same when they, say, when they see you worshiping uh, the master, the creator, in such a powerful way. So um, just as a word of encouragement, let's always have uh, an attitude or mentality of worship because God is 
God, and he's worthy of those praises. So uh, that does lead us into this new series. We're starting the year off, and um, I've been excited about this series for two months now uh, because it really sets the tone. Uh, It sets the tone for the entire year. And this first message, it's in our series called Masterpiece, talks from the book of Ephesians. We're going to be looking through or reading through the entire book of Ephesians this month. Okay? We're starting with chapter 1 today. I'm going to give you an overview of, of what this book is all about. Um, but I wanted to start this year really subjecting ourselves and submitting ourselves to the master. God is the master and we are his masterpiece, okay? God is the master, and we are his masterpiece. Ephesians chapter 1 starts like this. If you guys have a Bible, a physical Bible, I love to hear the pages of the Bible flip and all that. It's good stuff. This is a letter in the New Testament, so it's about three-quarters of the way through your Bible, um, maybe closer to the, the last section. <clears throat> and it is a, a, a book written by Paul, to the church of Ephesus, um, which is in the eastern part or the western part of Turkey, modern day Turkey. Okay? And he starts sort of by establishing his credentials of who Paul is. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul probably spent a couple years in this town uh, establishing church, establishing a congregation of believers, and he's adopted them. He's he's a little bit older in his life at this point. Uh, He's gone through amazing transformation. Uh, In the book of Acts, we see his life completely transformed as Jesus reveals himself to him. Prior to that, he was uh, a Pharisee amongst Pharisees, who persecuted and, and killed Christians, right? And then he had that transformational experience where God knocked him on his butt, turned him blind, right, and said, hey, I'm the one you're persecuting. And his life completely changed, and he became an apostle of Christ Jesus, establishing churches throughout all of that Middle Eastern area, okay? So if you think about it, this is Grandpa Paul, Okay? Grandpa Paul, and he's speaking to his grandchildren in Ephesus. So Papa Paul here, uh, he most likely spent that that time there establishing relationships um, and developing an inner circle of believers. And the key word that I wanted to focus in here that really makes us believe that is this one right here, our. Okay, God, uh, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He includes himself in the church of Ephesians. He includes himself as a part of the body of believers, okay? And so after he establishes who is writing the letter, he asks for this spiritual blessing on this people in a way that is relative and relatable to the culture of Ephesus. Um, I was thinking about a good story to go along with this, and I love my son. You know, you guys know I talk about my kids all the time, right? Uh, He came home from school, uh, this is probably about a month ago, and he, he was like, and you, you know, my, if you guys know my son, he wears his emotions on his face, right? You can tell, like, he, he had a bad day. And it's like, hey, buddy, what happened today, you know? 
why don't you come over, sit, sit here, talk to Papa Jason. It's weird to call myself that, but I'm not a grandpa yet. <laughs> My wife's shaking, shaking her head. So I said, Todd, come here, buddy. What, what's going on? And he proceeded to tell me how um, kids were making fun of him at school. Right? So it breaks every daddy's heart. Oh, buddy, I'm sorry, man. And he's like, yeah, they called me these names. You know, they, called, they made fun of his image. They made fun of his athletic ability, that he wasn't great. And I said, buddy, come here. Bring it in. I just wrapped my arms around him. And I'm like, grab him by the face and just say, you know, you always do the dad thing. He's a little taller now. But I, I grab him by the face and I say, buddy, you know that's not you. You know? Hey, you, you know that's not you. You're, you're loving. You're kind. You're smart. You're strong. You're athletic. And most of all, you are my son, right? And I was like, I know who you are. I know your heart. I know that you're tender. I know that you love people that you love, your mom, your dad, your sister, right? I, I, I've seen you. I've seen you. He, he loves homeless people. He's always caring for homeless people. He's like, hey, dad, can we bring them these gift packages that we like to give out? And I'm like, dude, that's, that's who you are. And, and most importantly, Todd, you, you are my son, right? You, you're my son. I said, who knows you better? Who knows you better, these kids at school or your dad, right? I'm like, do they know you better than I know you? No. No, they might see you at school, but I'm your dad, and I've been with you since day one. I delivered you. I didn't go into that part, but <coughs> I've been there since you were born. I've seen you grow. I've seen you turn into the young man that you're turning into. And I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I love you, son. And I, I feel like this is what Paul is trying to do with the church of Ephesians. He's saying, Ephesians, church of Ephesus, our God and Father, the one that we know, the one that loves us, our Father. And I'm going to ask this blessing, a spiritual blessing over you. <coughs> so in verse 3, there's a praise for spiritual blessing in Christ. And he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one, in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were all chosen 
having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Then in verse 13, as we continue to read the chapter, the focus of the blessing shifts. He changes his language here from that first person plural, this is us, to you. And he changes it from, hey, this is God, this is a blessing I'm praying on on us as a church. Now I'm going to ask this for you. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now, if you guys have read this before, there is a common uh, discussion that comes up at this point of, well, is this uh, an advocate for predestination? And how does that work with free will? And there's that predestination, free will argument that goes on all the time. And my answer for that is, is yes. But, yes, but, I think it distracts us from the actual message that he's trying to present here. To us, we've had theology for 2,000 years that argue over this term predestination. And sometimes I think we lose the key term that this blessing is asking and praying over the church. And I think some of us, when we heard and we read that chapter, we heard predestination then stopped. When really, I think the word he wanted us to cling to was adoption, inheritance, who we are in Christ. Cultural background. Ephesus was a city a lot like ours. I'll go into this more next week. But it was this cultural hub. It had a giant stadium. People worshipped sports, right? The goddess of Nike was present there. When you walk down the street, there's actually like a big swoosh where Nike came from. Okay? It, was, it was a cool city, lots of parties, lots of fun. Okay? So you can imagine that there was excitement there. But one of the practices that this culture uh, partook in was um, when a child was born the mother would take the child and place it at the feet of the father. And the father made the decision whether or not he wanted to keep it. And if the father saw any blemish on the child, or if the child had any disabilities, or if he just didn't like the child, or if the child was a girl, the dad had the ability to say, I don't want it. And there was a hill outside of the city where the, the mother would have to take the baby and put it on top of the hill and leave it. Now you can imagine if they were to take this child to the top of this abandoned hill to abandon their baby it would either be taken by the elements of the, just of the earth, it would be eaten by wild animals, 
or somebody would come and take it. And so Ephesus became this cultural hub for trafficking, for slavery. And entire businesses had been formed in Ephesus that would prey on the sacrifice of abandoned babies. And they would go and they would take these children and they would raise them as slaves or raise them as trafficking victims. It was a slave trading city. So for slave traders, they would go to that hill every night and whatever child they would find, they would raise it for a price and they would claim them as their slaves. So when Paul is writing this blessing to the church of Ephesus, he's referring to the adoption of children and claiming them into the inheritance of the king. He's flipping the script so that we can all understand the significance of a master. And I can see it on some of your faces. That story hurts. It hurts to hear of the abandonment of children and, and to think of a society that doesn't care about our young. I've had conversations with a lot of you in this room, and I know you love our children. That's why I love this church, because we value our kids and we value our youth. And so to hear of this breaks our heart. But what Paul is saying is do not worry. Do not fear because your significance is found in the master. He has flipped the script. And that culture that he's writing to understands this significantly for every mother who has lost a child or has given one up for adoption. They immediately can relate to this and say, yeah, I've lost a baby or I've had to give one up, but God has him or her. God has our children. And with God as our master, we submit. We submit. If we truly believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, making a way for us to be subject to the King, to be in His presence, we submit ourselves to God, to the master. And you know what he asks of us? He only asks of us one thing. God only asks us for one thing. Our everything. Our everything. It's not like, hey, I want you to do this or be a good person or I want you to follow these ten commandments and abide by all these rules. Those are petty. He wants everything about us. We become subject to the king because we were abandoned on the hill called sin. And Jesus came down and rescued us and gave us an inheritance that is more significant than anything we could ever ask or imagine. He wants our everything. And here's the challenge. In preparation for this message, I submitted myself to this challenge. Write down your story. If you have time this week, I want you to write down your story, every part of your story, and surrender it to him. Surrender it to the master. 
When we look at Paul and his life, he had to come to grips that he had murdered people, Christians in particularly. He had to ask God to redeem his story and change the way that he thinks. We should be changing the way that we think as God the Master influences our life. Throughout all of biblical history, we see God redeeming the stories of his people. We can look back at David, littered with sin, adultery, lies, deception, and murder, and God said, you are king. You will rule over my people. Samson was arrogant, prideful, narcissistic. Samuel was a wealthy, power-hungry womanizer. And as you write down your story, you might see some of the same things. I know I did. And you'll start to see God involved in every part of your life. Here's just a few of the ones that I saw when I wrote down my story. God was there at my birth. Premature in the 80s, he breathed life into my nostrils. He was there in my childhood when I broke my arm and I needed physical healing. He was there in my youth when I was struggling with identity issues, acne-ridden skin, poor eyesight. I had glasses as big as my head. My self-image, I was self-deprecating. I was lonely. He was my friend whispering in my ear, you're cool and I want to be your friend. He was there in my teenage years when I wanted a girlfriend, but my best friend would always steal the girl I liked. And he taught me a love that was greater than I could imagine. He became my first love. He was there in my travels, so I went overseas. And he was there when I stood at the altar and I said, I do. He was there when my children were born. He was there when my grandpa passed. He was there when we felt betrayed and abandoned by the church. He was there when my good friend took his own life. He was there when I stepped into ministry, and he is here now. He is here now. See, looking back at the master allows us to move forward trusting the master. When we look back at the master and we see how in control he has been of all of our circumstances, of everything you, we have done, you have been adopted and you are loved. You have been adopted and you are loved. And when you look back at the master and you allow him to, to move you can move forward trusting the master. He has been there every step of the way. And, and when we can see that, when we can see that he was there, we can trust that he will always be there. 2022 is gone. 2023 is ahead of us. He's always been there. Why wouldn't he be here? He will be, and he is, because he is the master.
and we are his subjects. To continue reading uh, verses 15 through 23, to finish up chapter 1, he says, um, and I didn't put a slide up for this one, so you have to listen. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Paul is addressing his brothers and sisters. They're adopted right alongside him. When I look in this room, I see my brothers and sisters that have been adopted right alongside me. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That is my single goal for this year and for the rest of my life. That you may know him better. I just want to know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and in his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Let's pray. Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Praise be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. God, we submit ourselves to you as a work as a masterpiece created by the master. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.